Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. I've got a video for you today. This is a video that was taken in Chicago. And it's worth noting right here at the beginning of the show that Chicago recently elected a new mayor by the name of Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson is even further left than Lori Lightfoot was. He um, promised when he got elected that his, his platform was that the, the state or the, the city government was going to stop misgendering people that he was going to send social workers instead of police officers when people called 911, that he's going to allow illegal aliens to vote. Um, this, by the way, as two-thirds of Chicago residents don't feel safe. And this is relevant to this video I'm about to show you. It's a very disturbing video. If you're with children or if you're, um, if you're, if you're with someone that you don't think can handle this, you might want to step away. It's only a 20-second video, but you got to see this. This video is what you're going to see is a mob of people, mostly black people, who are violently assaulting a white woman. This in broad daylight in the city of Chicago. Take a look at this. So we had to cut the audio for this video because it's just a bunch of profanity and we're not gonna, we're not gonna show that. That's just gratuitous on the show. As you can plainly see, this is, this is horrible to watch. It's horrifying, horrendous to watch. A bunch of people violently assaulting a white woman in broad daylight in the city of Chicago. What is wrong with our country? What is going on? And I, I, I say that both because that's your visceral emotional reaction when you see a video like that, right? You think, how can people actually behave like this? Who does this? But it's also not a rhetorical question. It's not just an emotional reaction. What is going on? What, what, why is this happening in the city of Chicago? Now, we know, of course, we can blame the politicians, the politicians like this new mayor for focusing on the government, the city government, not misgendering people. Yeah, that addresses people's fear that two thirds of people in Chicago fear for their safety because of things like this. And this was just one that happened to be caught on video. You can blame politicians and they, they should be blamed. They deserve the blame. This is, they're, they're responsible for allowing um, this kind of violence without prosecuting and arresting. They're, they're, they're responsible for law and order and they're, they're not obviously upholding their duty there. But broader than that, what you saw in that video, if, you, if you're sitting here feeling sick to your stomach, if you're sitting here feeling horrified, if you're sitting here finding it hard to believe that that really truly happened out in the, out in the open during broad daylight in the city of Chicago, then you're missing the point. We're all missing the point. We're all missing the fact that this is the direct result of Black Lives Matter. So very, very recently, within the last couple of weeks on the show, on this show, we've been talking about queer theory, right? And we've been talking about how queer theory isn't just the transgender ideology, but that it's it's actually a Marxist theory. It's a derivative of critical theory, which is from the Frankfurt School in Germany. And the purpose of the critical theories is to, to, to use the classic Marxist oppressor-oppressed um, situation where, where Marxists pit one demographic of people against another and claim, you know, Karl Marx said it was the workers that were oppressed by the ruling class. Um, queer theory says it's LGBTQIA people that are oppressed by straight, white, quote-unquote, cisgender um, Christians. And the purpose of pitting two groups of people against each other is because they want violence. 
they want they want a revolution and and uh in order to revolt against someone you have to you have to do this you have to stage this kind of violence and we forget that critical race theory which is the underpinning of black lives matter black lives matter is kind of the embodiment of critical race theory that critical race theory is also a marxist ideology and that when you propagate lies which is what the black lives matter movement is built on when you propagate these lies that say that white people are inherently racist that they have white privilege that that every white person regardless of what they do and how they think and how they act and regardless of their character and their behavior they are inherently racist they inherently hate you because of the color of your skin if you're a black person or a brown person we forget what that does to black people what that does to brown people the fear and the anger and the desperation that that sparks in black people and we forget that the black lives matter narrative is intended to spark that kind of fear and that kind of anger and that kind of desperation aimed at white people. This is the point of what the Black Lives Matter movement is doing. This is why they're propagating these lies because they actually want exactly what we saw in that video to be happening. Critical race theory like queer theory is an inherently violent neo-marxist revolutionary ideology. They're pitting one group of people against another and the purpose of that is to spark violence. So this isn't just oh Chicago's out of control. This isn't just oh wow this really crazy thing happened that we saw on video. This awful violence. This is exactly what the Black Lives Matter movement, exactly what critical race theory was intended to do. It's inherently violent. And the left, all the way up to the president of the United States is propagating this in a way that is going to cause more violence and more harm to the citizens of this nation if we don't stop. So let's get to that. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so Ralph Yarl, this story's been making the headlines, and rightly so. This is a horrendous story. The, given the facts that we know right now, this is this is a very bad thing that happened. Ralph Yarl is a 16-year-old black young man from Kansas City, a teenager from Kansas City, who was shot by an 84-year-old white man. And when I say the facts that we know right now about this story, we have been told that there was a racial element to this shooting. Now, Ralph Yarl survived this shooting, thank God. But what happened is this young man, you can see his face on the screen, this young man, he was, um, uh, or he is, he, he thankfully survived the shooting. He's a musical student, and what happened is he was going to pick up his younger siblings at a house, and he accidentally went to the wrong house. He got the address wrong, so he walked up to the door of a house that wasn't the house where his siblings were, and he rang the doorbell, 
at this house. And in response to ringing the doorbell, the owner of this house, a man by the name of Andrew Lester, an 85 or 84 year old white man, shot him through the door, shot Ralph Yarl through the door. Ralph Yarl was hospitalized for multiple days. Fortunately, thank God he survived. Um, and he's been released for the from the hospital. And we've been told that there was a racial element to the shooting, that it wasn't just a deranged old man um, who was not being responsible with his firearm. I mean, it would be horrendous in that case also, but we're told that there's a racial component to this crime. At this point, I have no reason to disbelieve it, except for the fact that I question everything. We should question everything. This is the same media that, that perpetuated the narrative about George Floyd that perpetuated the, the narrative about Michael Brown and Ferguson, right? They, they, they often tell us that, that shootings, especially shootings where the victim is a black man, is overtly racist, that it's white people inflicting violence or white people killing or shooting black people just based on the color of their skin. And the media, nine out of 10 times, is wrong about this. They're doing it just to, just to incite, incite racial divide in our nation. So when I say Given the information that we know right now about this shooting, I say that because there's no reason, there's no proof that, um, that, that the facts that we have right now are incorrect. And if these are the actual facts of the story, then this was a horrendous thing. If this old man, I mean, it's horrendous if the old man shot the young man regardless in this situation. Um, there's, a, there's one disputed fact that makes a huge difference in this story. Originally, it was reported that Ralph Yarrow, when he went up to the door of this house, it was originally reported that he actually opened the glass storm door, that he didn't ring the doorbell, he just opened the door. Still doesn't justify the guy um, shooting him like that, but the teenager has denied that he opened the door. He said he actually rang the doorbell. That's a pretty significant difference. Um, and here's the thing. When bad things happen in our country, when horrendous things happen in our country, when someone is shot unjustifiably, when they could have lost their life, I mean, this, this could have been a, this could have been a, a murder, basically. Um, we have a criminal justice system. We have a criminal justice system that was designed for situations when people do bad things. Because we don't live in utopia. We're not in heaven. We're, we're sinful people, and people do bad things. And so we put in place a structure that helps reorder society after something bad is done. It takes the person who committed or allegedly committed a wrong, and I'm not saying that Andrew Lesser allegedly committed, I'm just saying we, we presume innocence until our criminal justice system, until and unless that person has been found guilty. We, we presume innocence and we put this person on trial in front of a jury of their peers. They're prosecuted by the state, they have a right to an attorney. They go through this adversarial court system until they are found guilty, at which point they are, um, in this case, almost assuredly incarcerated because they are deemed a threat to the community. They're deemed a threat to other people and other people's lives and other people's inherent rights. And it's the government's right to protect citizens against being harmed or having their rights violated. And this is where, this is where the Black Lives Matter narrative falls apart for me because we're never gonna create a society where, um, where bad things don't happen. That doesn't exist. That's, that's not reality. That, that's just fantasy. And so when we have a society and we acknowledge the reality that bad things are going to happen, that people are going to do bad things, and we put a system in place that helps protect people against bad things and helps reorder society when people do bad things anyway, if that system works, then it works. But it, it, it can't undo the wrong, but it can try to reorder society, it can hold the perpetrator accountable, and it can protect other people from being violated by that same perpetrator. But the Black Lives Matter narrative, especially in this case, but in, in, all, in all, all these different shootings, 
completely ignores our system of our, our criminal justice system. Instead, they pretend that our criminal justice system is what's corrupt, that our criminal justice system is what's wrong, and that our criminal justice system allows people like this man, this, this white man, to commit a crime that allegedly had a racial component. I guess we will learn more about whether that's true or not in the coming days. But if assume that it did for a moment, for the sake of this argument. Assume that it did for a moment. Our criminal justice system didn't break down. Our criminal justice system isn't giving the advantage to the white man. Our criminal justice system is actually working. This, this man has been charged with first-degree assault. Andrew Lester, the white guy, has been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action. He's probably going to spend the rest of his life in prison, as he should, because he shot someone, unjustifiably. So how exactly, then, is the criminal justice system a system of white supremacy, as the Black Lives Matter movement tells us it is? How exactly does it allow white people to commit crimes with impunity like the Black Lives Matter movement says it does? How exactly does it not advocate for the rights, the constitutionally protected fundamental human rights of black citizens, which is exactly what it's doing in this case. This is, this is one of the biggest flaws of Black Lives Matter movement, besides, of course, their Marxism and the lies that they tell about, um, about police officers, police officers murdering black people, which is, is, is obviously demonstrably false, given what, what claims the Black Lives Matter movement has made. But in the name of everything that we just debunked, the Black Lives Matter movement claiming that the criminal justice system is evil and that um, white people kill black people or shoot, or shoot black people all the time with impunity, those things aren't true. But making those claims and using those claims as, as justification, the Black Lives Matter movement vandalized Andrew Lester's home. He's received death threats. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, so the president of the United States weighs in on, on this, this, this horrendous thing that happened, this horrendous shooting. Like I said, fortunately, Ralph Yarl has survived the shooting. He is alive. This is what President Biden tweeted. Let me bring this up because I want to I read this directly. He tweeted, Last night, I had a chance to call Ralph Yarl and his family. No parent should have to worry that their kid will be shot after ringing the wrong doorbell. We've got to keep up the fight against gun violence. And Ralph, we'll see you in the Oval once you feel better. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with that tweet, right? There's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that tweet. And that's true if you read it just within the narrow tunnel of, of, the, of, of isolation. If there's no context to that tweet, then yeah, that's fine. Like, he called, he called a kid that had been shot. Like, okay, that's comforting. He, it's true that no parent should have to worry that their kid ringing the wrong doorbell um, should be shot. That's fine. That's fine. And then, and then we see the political part. 
we've got to keep up the fight against gun violence. So what President Biden's doing is he's taking a story which, horrendous as it is, is fortunately, luckily, statistically, an anomaly in our country. This doesn't happen often. It rarely ever happens. That's why I made the news. This is not an example of gun violence in our country. Gun violence in our country is generally related to either gangs or something happening in the inner city like Chicago, where woke liberal uh, policies and Soros-funded prosecutors refuse to actually uh, prosecute crimes that are committed, refuse to enforce laws that are on the books, refuse to adhere to our system of law and order. That's where gun violence is actually a problem. It's this, like I said, not that this situation in and of itself isn't a problem, but it's atypical. This isn't like what's happening on a day-to-day basis in our country. So this kid is gonna get to visit the Oval Office, which again, I don't have a problem with in and of itself, but just wait. Kamala Harris also sent out a tweet. Let's bring Kamala's tweet up. I wanna read this one directly as well. Kamala Harris says, Doug and I are praying for Ralph Yarl and his family as he fights for his life. Let's be clear, no child should ever live in fear of being shot for ringing the wrong doorbell. Every child deserves to be safe. That's the America that we're fighting for. Unless, you know, the child is an unborn child, and in which case the uh, Biden administration is all about killing them in their mother's rooms. Or unless, you know, the child is is uh, uh, suffering a gender disorder, in which case the Biden administration wants parents not to be in the, in the picture, not to give notification in the child's body to be mutilated in, in, in the interest or in the, in the pursuit of that Marxist agenda. But you know, they want children to be safe other than that, other than that. Here's the thing. Biden's tweet about Ralph Yarl shows that he's propagating the Black Lives Matter narrative because there's a 20-year-old white woman a 20-year-old white woman. So she's within the same, she's four years different in age than Ralph Yarl. She's a, a young woman, a beautiful young woman by the name of Kaylin Gillis. We can show her on the screen. Kaylin Gillis, this past week, was killed. She lost her life. She did not survive. She was shot because she and her friends in their car were looking for another friend's house. They pulled in the wrong driveway and the owner of that property shot her through the car, through the window in the car. And she did not survive. She died. She was killed. She was murdered. We probably never heard this name, Kaylin Gillis, before, did you? It hasn't been trending on Twitter. There have been some, there's been some news reports about it, but not to the extent of Ralph Yarl. Why is that? The man who shot her was also an older man. He was 65 years old. This happened in New York State. But we didn't hear about this. So we had, we had this Biden tweet about Ralph Yarl, um, and I'd also like to pull up the Biden tweet about Kaylin Gillis. Can we pull that up? Oh, wait, 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 wait just a second. No, 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 no. There is no Biden tweet about Kaylin Gillis. Well, let's pull up the Kamala tweet then about Kaylin Gillis. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no Kamala tweet about Kaylin Gillis either. Her family wasn't invited to the Oval Office. There was no comment about young women being safe if they accidentally turn in the wrong driveway in their car. Nothing like that. Because the true agenda of the Biden administration has nothing to do with what happened to Ralph Yarl. The true agenda of the Biden administration is exemplified by how Biden has handled tragedies, selective tragedies, or how he has selectively handled tragedies over the past month. For example, Joe Biden 
did not invite the families of the six Christians, the three Christian children and the three Christian adults at the Christian school in Nashville who were murdered by, a, by the transgender terrorist. He did not invite them to the Oval Office. For all we know, he didn't even call them. We haven't heard. I guess we haven't heard publicly whether he's called them, but there's been no announcement in the media that he called them. But you know who Biden did call? The so-called Nashville Three. The Nashville Three are these, these uh, uh, three Democratic state lawmakers in the Nashville State Capitol who staged what I'm calling a transurrection. They, they violated permanent House rules in the Nashville State Capitol to agitate protesters who'd burst in there in the name of gun control gun control that they were demanding outside of the legislative process. They had ignored the, the actual way that the legislature works in the name of, or in, in the wake of the shooting at the Nashville Christian School. So Biden calls the Nashville Three, these phony Democrats who are just being showboats, agitating, violating rules, trying to circumvent the legislature, and he doesn't call the families of the Christians who were murdered because they were Christians. And so Biden invites Ralph Yarrell this kid to the Oval Office, which would be fine if it was if it was just that in and of itself, if we didn't have the context to know that the family of Kaylin Gillis was given no attention by the president. So why is this? Why, why is this selective treatment? Well, the selective treatment, and this isn't the only example, by the way. Remember in, um, in Waukesha, what happened? That terror attack where that black nationalist killed six people? Biden didn't call their families. He didn't trot that out. Because Biden only cares about so-called gun violence. He only cares about these things when he can use it to propagate the Black Lives Matter narrative, when he can use it to divide our country by race, when he can use it to tell lies to black people about whether they're safe and whether they're equal in our country, and use that as a cudgel to pit black people against white people. It's completely evil what he's doing. Completely evil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to The First TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on The First TV. Watch The First on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. That's why you don't hear anything from the left about that video of the black people in Chicago brutally beating the white woman because it doesn't fit their narrative. They don't care about violence. They don't care about mob violence. They don't care about the rule of law. They care about nothing of the sort. It's contradictory to their narrative to show black people being violent against white people, but it's also exactly what the left wants. It's exactly what critical race theory, which is the underpinning of the Black Lives Matter movement, is exactly what critical race theory calls for for so-called oppressed black people to revolt against their so-called oppressors, white people. So we can't be surprised that this is happening. If we don't, if we don't study the playbook and the tactics and the strategy of the left, if we don't know for a fact what critical race theory is doing, what the Black Lives Matter movement is teaching black people, instilling this fear and this anger and this desperation. And the president of the United States is complicit in this. It's, it's utterly, utterly evil. And by the way, 
part of this indoctrination, it's not just the Black Lives Matter movement that's pushing this narrative that's enraging and putting fear in the hearts of black people and, and instilling this desperation, this need to take action, this violent action. It's also now in high schools across the country. Journalist Greg Price did this remarkable thread on Twitter, and I want to show this to you. Let me bring it up because I want to read it. Um, he posted, I reviewed five high school AP history textbooks that cover all the way through the Trump presidency. The historians who wrote them put their liberal bias on full display and what they included and what they left out. Here's what I found. He said, here's how the textbooks I reviewed cover the minimal influence Russia had on social media in the 2016 election. And he shows, he shows clips of this. He says, meanwhile, none of them mentioned the Steele dossier or how the FBI abused FISA to spy on Trump or the illegal unmasking of Michael Flynn or the Strzok page texts. He said, this is from American Pageant, the most commonly used AP U.S. history textbook in America. They refer to President Trump as a sexual predator while describing Bill Clinton as dogged by scandal. He said many other books do this as well. He said, the American promise flat out claimed that President Trump refused to condemn Charlottesville, even though he did many times. Experience history interpreting America's past contains the very fine people on both sides hoax. And he goes, he goes, on and on, suggesting that President Trump is racist, suggesting that the Republican Party is built on white supremacy, that they perpetuate white supremacy. This is what our children are being taught in school. Even at the AP US history level, they're being taught critical race theory. They're being taught racialized Marxism. They're being taught, white children are being taught that they're irredeemable, that they're racist, and black children are being taught that they're oppressed, and that the only way to liberate themselves is what? Well, how do you liberate yourself from oppression? You don't just talk about it. You don't just tweet about it. You don't just learn about it in a history book. The obvious implication is that the only way to liberate yourself from oppression is through violent revolution. That's what these leftists are calling for. That's why our country is at such as this, this, critical, this critical juncture in our nation's history. So meanwhile, down at the southern border, Joe Biden's nightmare continues. Now, this is a nightmare of his own making. This is not something that's been afflicted on Joe Biden. This is not something that's arbitrarily happened. This is a created crisis. Joe Biden wants more conflict. One of, one of the tenets of cultural Marxism is to destroy the idea of a nation state. This is why George Soros, even though he claims not to be a Marxist, the idea of his open society, the idea that he wants no borders associated with nations, that, that's, that's one of the tenets of how you destroy how you destroy a republic, how you destroy capitalism, how you destroy a country, how you destroy a, a culture and the institutions that support that culture is you take away uh, patriotism. You take away a nation state and you're left with what? Nothing, you're left with just, just tribalism, right? If you don't have a unifying factor. It's why when George Soros claims that he's not a Marxist or people claim that he's not, that he's just you know a, a leftist and doesn't have those communist tendencies, I'm like, yeah, read a little bit more communist ideology. Read a little bit more from these so-called Marxist scholars, and you'll understand that George Soros is, um, that, that every Marxist, by the way, has their, their, their specialty, if you will. Some of them like education. Some Marxists focus on the family. Some Marxists focus on nation state. George Soros focuses on the nation state. Joe Biden is propagating this kind of Marxist ideology at our southern border. He is doing everything he can deliberately to destroy our national sovereignty, to destroy um, the idea of America as a nation, America as a state, uh, America as a place with secured borders. Because if you don't have secure borders, what are you? You're nothing. You're not a state. You're not a nation. You're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. Joe Biden's doing this deliberately. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre, his press secretary, says uh, she just lies, 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 says that Biden's border policies, the exact opposite of what President Trump has done, 
are working. She, this is what she said on March 30th. I want to take you back just a couple days here. This is what she said on March 30th. Take a listen. As the president is using the tools that have been presented to him that he's able to use from the executive level without the help of Congress, Republicans in Congress who have gotten in the way and have not helped at all to deal with this issue, uh, the program that he's put forth, we see them working. The data shows that. Okay, that was on March 30th. The data shows that these policies are working. So fast forward a couple of days. That was that was several weeks ago, right? What's the date today? Yeah, that was several weeks ago, about three weeks ago. Now we have the data for how many border crossings happened in the month of March. Same month that Karine Jean-Pierre said that the data shows that these border policies are working. We had 190,000 border crossings in March alone. 190,000. So maybe when she says his border policies are working, we should ask, well, working to do what? Working to stop the flow of illegal aliens across our border? No, that's not what they're working to do. But if, it's, if, if you actually look at what the Biden agenda is at the border and you think, well, his, his intention is to destroy us as a nation state, then yes, his policies are absolutely working to achieve that. Absolutely working. Um, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas was grilled in front of Congress and he admitted that under the Biden administration, in the past just over two years, the total number of illegal aliens or encounters that Department of Homeland Security and its sub-agencies like ICE or Border Patrol have had at the border is over 6 million. Take a listen. Mr. Secretary, uh, Title 42 is slated to end in, in under a month, as you well know, on May 11th of uh, 2023. What, Question for you is what changes are you anticipating in terms of the number of migrants arriving at the border uh, after May 11th? And what preparations is the administration making uh, to deal with those individuals uh, seeking asylum? Mr. Chairman, uh, we do anticipate a surge in the number of encounters at our southern border. Six million. And as you heard him say, he anticipates a surge in the month of May. Doesn't sound like it's working to me, but Corinne Jean-Pierre came out just this week to address th this new data, the 190,000 encounters that happened in the month of March and Mayorkas saying that they expect a surge in the month of May. And this is what Corinne Jean-Pierre said about the Biden administration's border policies. Let me just touch on the March numbers for a second, uh, as you just stated. Look. Uh, what we believe is our border enfor enforcement measures and what we have seen uh, continue to limit unlawful Im immigration. So that is important to note. She's like completely detached from reality. It's actually remarkable to me that someone can stand at a podium and know what the truth is. This is not a difficult concept. This is not too complicated. This is not her being ignorant. There's no way that you don't know the reality of what's happening. But that she can stand there and look the American people in the eye and say, you see the reality of what's happening. You see that our border is overrun. You see that this is not only causing physical harm to American citizens who live near the border, but you see that the opioid crisis is being worsened. You see the, the, the poisonous fentanyl, that the deadly fentanyl that's being trafficked across our border. You see the women and children that are being trafficked across our border that are facing rape and sexual assault. You see the idea of our national sovereignty being diluted. You see all of these illegal aliens costing the American people an incredible amount of money, both in their immediate care, sometimes they're deported, but then they fade into the shadows because they're given court dates, because they claim asylum and they don't show up and they end up on welfare. 
She knows this. You know this. I know this. She knows this. And what does she do? She lies. She looks in our faces and she lies. As if we're stupid. But th th this is the hallmark of, of, of what authoritarians do. This is the hallmark of what Marxists do. They redefine reality. They say to you, listen to me, what you're seeing, you're seeing wrong. You can, you can see that, that, that red stoplight, right? Well, it's not really red. I want to tell you right now that actually, actually that red light means that you're seeing a yellow light. They tell you that you can't believe your own mind. You can't believe your own, your own intellect. You can't believe your own reason. They say, we, you, don't, you can't reason. Your reason is biased. Your reason is built on something bad. So you have to rely on us to tell you what reality is. And reality is subjective, they say. It's subjective to people's lived experience. This is really messed up stuff. And I, I, I feel like we've gotten so used to this. We've gotten so desensitized to the fact that, oh yeah, Democrats lie. Oh yeah, we first we had Jen Psaki, now we have Karine Jean-Pierre. Like, they're terrible, they lie all the time. It's, it's, it's provable lies and they just don't care. They're, they're so shameless about their lying that they just get up day after day and act like that, they're, they're, that their reputation isn't in, sh in, in shreds, isn't tattered. But we can't be desensitized to this because the more we become desensitized, the more emboldened they become to lie, the more people actually believe them. And the more that we, the American people, just, that just sit here and see our nation state under assault. Our nation state under assault. Senator Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, wrote a letter to Mayorkas and told him that he should resign. He said, you should, you should resign, it's a disgrace. In fact, I'm a little disappointed in Congress that they have not um, held impeachment hearings for Mayorkas. I know that the Senate would most likely not convict May Orcas would not would not actually um, do their part, but the House should. The House absolutely should because May Orcas is one of the most dangerous men in our country. There have been over 150 known or suspected terrorists that have crossed the southern border. This is just the people that the Biden administration knows about in the last six months alone. So we have the physical harm to the people who live near the border. We have the drugs that are being trafficked, the humans that are being trafficked and sexually abused. We have our nation state under assault. We have the amount of money that it's gonna cost the taxpayers putting this drag on our welfare system, which in turn, the left uses as justification to raise taxes and to redistribute wealth, which, which it's damaging to our economy. And then you have terrorists who actually want mass destruction in the United States being led across our border. Of course, Mayorkas should resign. And of course, the House of Representatives should impeach him. This shouldn't even be a question. This is like the most obvious statement in the world. The most obvious statement in the world. A new Rasmussen poll came out uh, asking, this is so interesting, this is so interesting, because we talked earlier in the week about the boycott of Bud Light, or the boycott, not just of Budweiser, but of the parent company, Anheuser-Busch, and how this is not just a boycott that's limited to our uh, political bubble, if you will, that this has spilled out into the general public. And what I mean by that is sometimes there are controversies that you and I, we're political nerds, right? right? We're obsessed with headlines. We, we know all of this stuff. We get into Twitter squabbles, all the good stuff. But most people in our country don't hear about the stuff that we hear about. Most people in our country only hear about political stories when they become so big that they spill out into the general consciousness. And Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light, I think, assumed that when conservatives began to boycott Bud Light after they hired that, that transgender activist, Dylan Mulvaney, to be the face of Bud Light, I think they assumed that our righteous indignation was limited just to our political bubble, right? 
they said, oh, you know what, just wait, these conservatives, you know, they'll start this, it'll, it'll be a couple days, but it'll, it'll readjust, it'll, we'll reorient, right? Our equilibrium will be reestablished, just wait it out. And I think that they underestimated the fact that, no, we're really serious about this. This crosses a line for us. We're not quick to boycott. Conservatives are not quick to boycott. But when we do, we really mean it. And then we talked about, so after we began to boycott, then you have places like the, um, the Republican congressional, the congressional fundraisers, essentially, who took down their webpage that was fundraising based on based on Anheuser-Busch hiring, Bud Light hiring Dylan Mulvaney. And you had even people, not just establishment Republicans, you even had people like Don Jr., who I love Don Jr. I have a ton of respect for what he does. I think he's a valuable voice in the conservative movement. I'm not sure why he's taking this position, but saying, listen, Anheuser-Busch donated to Republicans, therefore, we should not try to damage them because they're giving their money to Republicans. Like, don't, don't, don't hack them because some isolated marketing executive made this decision. And we talked earlier in the week about how that's not the correct take, that Anheuser-Busch doesn't just donate to Republicans. They donate to both Republicans and Democrats. Republicans a little bit more. 60% of their political donations are Republican, 40% are Democrats. That just means they're playing the game. It doesn't mean that they're a Republican company. It means that their, their consumers might be more Republican than, than Democrat. That's why a lot of their marketing in the past has been kind of red-blooded, red, white, and blue, American, patriotic spirit, middle of the country, working man, a lot of, a lot of farmland, kind of like country, traditional country music type advertising. But Anheuser-Busch underestimated the fact that you and I are sick and tired of the Republican establishment. We're sick and tired of a Republican establishment that's willing to sell our principles, sell our children's bodies to queer theory just for a couple of dollars to go to campaigns. Like, no, absolutely not. We are done. And so we've continued to boycott. So Rasmussen conducted a poll. This poll was conducted from April 12th to 16th. This is what they said. This is the question of the poll. Anheuser-Busch has used transgender model Dylan Mulvaney to promote its Bud Light brand of beer. Does this make you more or less likely to purchase Bud Light beer? These are the results. Let me read these to you. In all age categories, 40% of people said it would make them less likely to purchase Bud Light. 37% said it makes no difference and only 19% said it makes them more likely. So 40% of people said it makes them less likely to buy beer. That's, that's all age categories. But then broken down into age brackets, this is fascinating actually, because you would expect, okay, young people aren't gonna care about this. Young people are very leftist. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna swing much more towards Dylan Mulvaney than towards, um, well, reality. But it's barely, barely different. In the 18 to 39-year-old category, so this is Gen Z and millennials, 26% of people said it makes them less likely to purchase Bud Light, 35% said it makes no difference, and 33% said it makes them more likely. So what is that? Only 7% more, even of young people, only 7% are more likely to buy Bud Light versus less likely. That, if I'm, if I'm Anheuser-Busch, that is a, an astonishing statistic for me. Because when you look at, when you look at typical polling data, um, like which age person or which, which age demographics support candidates, almost always this 18 to 39-year-old demographic, it skews so far to the left that it's absurd, right? Like if you look at um, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump or anybody, you know, Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney or John McCain versus Barack Obama. You can go all the way back. The young demographic skews so far to the left that it's embarrassing for Republicans. Let's just say that. 
So for the 18 to 39 year old category and the hot button cultural topic to be, I don't wanna call it within the margin of error because 7% is a little bit greater than a margin of error, but to be so close, if I'm Anheuser-Busch, then I sit back in my chair and I say, oh man, or woman, <laughs> we really miscalculated. We, we, this is a major boo-boo here. This is not something that's going to be quickly solved. For the 40 to 64-year-old category, 53% said it makes them less likely to purchase. Only 12% said it makes them more likely. Of the over 65 years old, 42% said it makes them less likely to buy the beer, and only 6% said it makes them more likely. This is something. This is quite something. This means our boycott's gonna be effective. Now, I said earlier in the week, it doesn't mean that Bud Light, Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch is going to apologize or roll this back. They're probably not going to because they're in the international spotlight now, but it does mean that we are sending a message to other corporations that the phrase that we like to say, go woke, go broke, isn't just a phrase anymore. It's a reality. That if you do something so stupid like hiring a transgender activist, a man pretending to be a woman to be the face of your company, then you can stand to lose $6 billion off your stock value. We conservatives, we mean it this time. We have drawn a line in the sand. We understand that this fight against critical race theory, this fight against queer theory, the organizations that propagate it, right? Whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement and Joe Biden's administration propagating the, the critical race theory lies the Black Lives Matter lies, whether it's Drag Queen Story Hour or Disney, or now Anheuser-Busch propagating the queer theory narrative, the transgender ideology, we conservatives understand what we're facing. And we're not willing to let our country go to actual, literal Marxists propagating these ideologies. So again, if I'm, if I'm Bud Light executives, if I'm Anheuser-Busch, if I'm, if I'm in this company, I look at this poll and I, I have made the biggest mistake of my life. Conservatives, don't give this up. We've got this. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.